0: All right, we are live. Hey, everybody, how are you doing today? I'm glad you're here with us. Um, and welcome to the Curse of Oak Island and Beyond live stream. I'm your host, Jeff Freeman. And right over here, we have my very special co-host today, Gretchen Cornwall. Welcome, Gretchen.
1: Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate being here today. Oh, Thank it's you, a Jeff. pleasure to have
0: you. And with your expertise in and uh, everything concerning the Knights Templar and also your work with the... Uh, Team Templar North America, I just uh, I couldn't do this without you. I really uh, thought it was great to have you, and when you offered to come on or, or accepted my offer to come on, I was just very, very happy about that. So thank you for being here today.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: So today we're going to step away a little bit and go to the beyond side of uh, our group, and we are going to have on, as you well know already, our very special uh, guest today, Carl Cookson and Hamilton White. Now, uh, you will remember that both of these gentlemen are on the Discovery Channel TV show, The Lost Relics of the Knights Templar. And they have some very, very interesting things to talk to us about with that today. Um, And I'll bring them on in just a moment. Before I do that, I would just like to say uh, and bring this little banner up here I got on the bottom that say, you know, for those of you that are watching on the YouTube side, thank you for being here. Appreciate that very much. And we have some folks out there also from the Twitch side. Uh, For the YouTube side, if you would, right down in the corner, get my finger pointing the right direction. Down there is a little red button that says subscribe, if you would be so kind to subscribe to our show. And if you like our content, give us a thumbs up. That kind of helps us to know what how we're doing and be able to bring you better content in the future. So thank you very much for being here and also the folks on over on our Facebook excuse me on our Facebook group and uh on that side as well. Thank you guys for being here. I see a lot of common names coming up there. Thank you Jennifer and all you guys showing up here today. Thank you very much. Now, we did have a little bit of an issue today with the uh getting uh Hamilton connected. Um, so he was able to call in. So he's actually on the phone with us. You won't see his, his smiling face on there or his fedora hat that he loves to wear. I don't know if he's wearing it right now, but that's an awesome hat. I love that thing, but I'm going to ready to bring them on. And, uh, without further ado, let's do that. Let's go ahead and bring up, uh, Mr. Carl cooks and welcome. And to you too, uh, Hamilton. Hamilton, are you there? Oops, I got to turn your up. There, no, you up. Your hand. there he is. Sorry about there that. I had, is. You, <laughs> I had you turned You're down. Up, no, man, no, man. <laughs> great. Thank you guys again so very, very much. I'm very honored that you would uh, come here and spend a couple hours of your afternoon with us today. I'm really, really happy and uh, with that and uh, uh, just feel very good about you being here. And that's great. Um, so, Bye. I'm sorry, go ahead. So basically what I'd like to do to kind of get started as I do with our guest for the most part is I talk about a little bit about your past. And Carl, I'd like to start with you if we could. Now, you got collecting early on in your teen years, I guess, with like things that go fast or motorcycles and things of that nature. Did you not?
2: Well, I I think the first thing I collected was stamps like most kids used to be. Oh, really? Yeah, you used to. There was advertisements and you'd send off And it sends you this booklet with all stamps in it for approval. Mm -hmm. And you you kept the ones you wanted and sent the others back. Um, And I I did it for years, you know. I used to really love them. And then I I sort sort of found motorbikes there, And the stamps kind of faded away. And bikes and cars have become my main thing Mm -hmm. most of my life. Um, And my dad was a biker. But, you know, we used bikes for transport as well. It wasn't just... And we, we bought a motorbike and we used that for leisure. It was my dad used to go to work on a motorbike and sometimes he picked me up at school on the back of one, and it was great. It was a, very difficult not to get hooped on it at a young age, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, you, speaking of your dad, I, there was uh, I read uh, somewhere that your dad was uh, influential uh, with you telling you stories about medieval times and things of that nature. That kind of got you interested in that area. Is that true?
2: yeah there's a actually in liverpool there's a place you talk us to called speak hall and it's a it's an elizabethan timber framed mansion uh, it's absolutely amazing when you go in it you know it, it's it's such a it, it completely alters how you think of things because as a child i'd never I'd never been in a place so old um and you just feel things that you don't normally see in your normal life Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, we, we, as kids we grew up on Robin Hood and King Arthur, the Knights of the Round Table and yep. there were loads of fantastic movies of medieval times and so, some with some great American actors in it. It was funny, I remember as a child I was uh, listening to Tony Curtis getting interviewed and he said, it really gets on my nerves, he said... He said, you get British people saying, oh, they wouldn't have talked, they wouldn't have talked with an American accent. He said, well, they wouldn't have talked if it was an American accent because they were French, so it wouldn't have mattered whether it was, you know, the French or English, but it was just a a funny little thing. But I always remember looking at the buildings and the armour that they wore. Um, One of the funny things, the mistakes they make in movies, is some of the buildings that they show are very old buildings. Well... It would have been brand new buildings in the day, And they you're wouldn't right. have had yeah. twisted either.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> right. You're exactly right. It would have been brand new yeah. back then. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And There's- the Royal Halls were in primary colors as well. If you go to right. Dover Castle, it's bright red, bright yellow, bright blue because it's right. such a big, dark space. They want to fill it with life, and they use these shocking primary colours that we would think would be tacky today. So I get annoyed that today all these films that are coming out and uh, that they're all, they all have a grey filter over them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. They are
1: really, truly into colour. You know, those who yeah. can afford it, they want it. I like
2: the churches, a lot of the churches. Oh, yeah. painted in polychrome. So, so they weren't grey stone. they were very, very vivid. Yes, they...
1: uh, Canterbury Cathedral, the whole front was painted, all the figures, the people on the front, they were all painted. And that was the, the, the yeah, show that's... of the day, the TV show of the day, so uh, an assault on the senses. So, yeah, yeah. And,
2: like, the, I... the, the, the church is really up until the is the Romanesque architecture. Uh, is very dark you know because he didn't have flying buttresses to put uh you know naves on they had the big they they, they brought light in with the, with the with the gothic architecture so prior to that churches and, and castles were very dark places yeah yeah Yes.
0: Well, we better not forget about our, our friend Hamilton that's waiting out there. And I wanted to introduce him real real quick as well. Um, Hamilton, I wanted to throw this question out to you as well, because I know that you got started around, I think it was the early age of eight, somewhere around there. By I think you I saw on the show that you started with a, your collection of your first coin, something like that. Was that right?
4: Well, no, probably before that, prior to me actually having any money, I was just picking up rocks and stones and anything I could find that I could haul off home. Um, <laughs> but then I suppose aged eight, I discovered what money was, and then all oh, you could go and buy things. This is a much better system. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I guess it. I was about eight, and it was just a little sort of hammered silver coin, and it just amazed me that you could actually go and get something that was sort of eight hundred years old. I mean, um, that was the start of the obsession, really.
0: Right, and it just grew from there, right. So once you were able to actually purchase something, things of you know greater value. That I mean, boy, where would it end, right? I mean, if you have the 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 ability to really do what you're doing now and going around and collecting these fantastic. Things of antiquity, I mean, that's got to be fascinating. I, I, I can't imagine. It's really how that fulfills your life at this point, right?
4: Well, I mean, it's all I've ever done. I mean, I had no interest whatsoever in school and education. To me, It just seemed pointless because I knew what I was going to do. Right. And uh, I still appear to be doing it, really. And I assume I'll probably do it till I drop dead. I haven't got another alternative. Mm-hmm.
0: Now I know that you're also involved in some other um you know I was reading about uh, some of the other things that you uh do uh, you have like uh it said I read this portion it said in the Caribbean where he is diving some previously unrecorded wreck sites so you're a diver as well
4: Uh what well, I mean, yes, I'm qualified as a diver, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't go as far as to say I was a really proactive diver. Okay. But uh, no, I've got a little a little business over in, in Nassau that is closed at the moment like everything else. Right, but
0: unfortunately. I've got a
4: new mu- a museum over there, which is all my sort of Caribbean piracy and slavery stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, that's fascinating, and I know that you're also. Um, it said I read that setting up an exhibition in Russia to loan out his collection of Holocaust and World War II's, um items. That's fantastic.
4: Yeah, I mean, I've been going over to Eastern Europe for a long time, and you know, I've got quite a lot of military stuff, a lot of sort of Holocausty stuff, and there was an idea on the table to do something over in Russia, but again, this sort of ghastly COVID. Yeah problem is everything's tight and step back at the moment. We're all just sitting at home putting our thumbs.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I know what you mean. Hopefully, uh, you know, with I and I don't know, speaking of COVID, how I mean are, you know, everybody over here were 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 they started with a certain um people that are, you know, to work their way down through getting the COVID vaccine. Um and that's being distributed out in the United States now. How's that going for over for you all over in the UK? Or is that is the vaccine becoming available for everyone there now too or yeah it's 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 it's
2: it's very relatively very easy now to
0: okay good to Yeah,
2: vaccine um some people you know it's funny because a lot of people don't want to take the vaccine but some yep. some people, so it's a it's probably a bit of a to do subject that, really.
0: it is it is yep I, I and it's that way here too as well yeah for sure um so okay so so bringing this around I, to, i'm sorry go I under, ahead.
1: no that's okay i understand that that uh, the u.s will be open as it were uh july 4th so i don't know what that will mean for international travel yet i have not looked that up but i'm heading back to the uk i'll be there on the 20th and uh, i've already received my uk invitation for a, a vaccine but again sliding past that but things are going to open up and um, people will be able to get back to their their lives in the summer. We all desperately need that. We need the sunshine. Oh, we do. Be Absolutely. to be yeah. able to get out so there I'm, with each other.
2: Yeah, for us the big thing is the pubs are closed, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't go hang out at the pub and have a break, you know. <laughs> oh, no. uh,
3: apparently
2: on the 12th of next month, they're opening up pubs, you've got beer gardens. So yeah. everyone's having to book a table and there's a lot of people gonna be disappointed because yeah. there's not even tables, you know.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we need to get that uh, we need to get the numbers down so we can get that all open yeah. back up and get our lives back to normal. That's yeah. the main thing. I mean, we, we wanna, you know, be able to Congregate with other people. Humans need to be with other humans. I mean, that's what we do. So we need to be around other people. And 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 for you guys, I, I would imagine that uh, you know running around. Let's let's go ahead and segue into the show. Um, the relics of the uh, lost relics of the Knights Templar that you have on the Discovery Channel, which is a fantastic show, by the way. Um, and I would have to think. I know that season one is out. I have five episodes out right now, and then you guys are probably in the midst of or finishing up your work on season two, which we're very happy about because I absolutely love season one. Uh, watching though, they'd gone through them a couple of times, uh, just fascinating stuff. Um, so, and, and I'm hoping that this whole COVID situation hasn't, um, you know, put a damper on what you're doing with that. So uh, certainly we're hope. very
2: that. lucky actually because um, we, we started filming quite late and we we're very mindful of COVID and the lockdowns and, we, we we just seem to be safe and in front of each lockdown when we was abroad so we we literally managed to get four episodes completed um, and we've just got the fifth now to do which um we, we've got a plan to make that happen so it should be in the box ready to deliver to the broadcasters and then um probably air uh, late late probably late fall for you guys Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, some, sometime in the autumn. Um, and we, you we know, we're, 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 we're like, we, we don't get to see it till it's broadcast. But it's, right. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's got to be a little bit frustrating, too, because, you, and and we know, you know, it's, a, it's like some of the other shows that we uh, are interested in. We know that when it comes to you guys, there is probably hundreds of hours of film being taken uh and following you around and going to these places and talking about the artifacts and then we get to see bits and pieces that they put together in a 45 minutes worth of film on a show that's an hour long so i I, you know we we always wonder what are we missing you know because there's hours and hours that we don't ever get to see and you probably don't know all of it because
2: (laughs) it's not all great you know yeah it's it's um they said i think i made it
0: Go ahead. Hamilton, go ahead.
4: Oh, sorry. No, I, I mean, it's like you say, and I mean, I, what I find is when you do see the program, it's, to my eye, it's like, oh, no, it's what they didn't include. Because to, to my way of thinking, what's missing is always more interesting than what you're actually seeing. That's oh, yeah. you know, it's yep. just the way it is, I guess.
0: Yeah, it is. I'm sure. You know, and so we always wonder if someday they'll take some of those things that we didn't get to see and they'll put together a show of those at some point, you know, and, and add that to it. But, but, but being able to be in your shoes and, and let's go back to the beginning. I mean, um, now you've, you guys, if I remember correctly from the show, they talked about that you've, you basically have had this, uh, what we're calling the horde of, of artifacts or relics uh, for about 10 years now. How did you get approached to how did this come about that the TV show would be? created on
2: this?
4: Well, initially,
2: we've done, we done um, a private expose for Reuters because mm. we watched, we obviously needed to release the information about the hoard to, to, to the world. And we used one of my buildings, me and my brother's building, which is an old courthouse in the town I live in, Notchford, and we had a private room there, and the BBC came and Reuters turned up, and they they agreed to, you know, sign a non-disclosure agreement to not release it until we give them the the nod. And in between that, Hamilton's friend was, um, invited us down to his head office in London, he worked for a big media company, and we, Hamilton said, oh, Should we bring some, some of the stuff with us to show them? And I said, Yeah. So we drove down. I picked Hamilton up. He lives about an hour and a half away. And we picked the gear We drove into London. We managed to get underground parking in these swanky offices in London.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and then we went upstairs carrying all these bags. <laughs> these, like, these real posh glass office. Um, You know, like a conference room. Right. There's all people waiting. There's all this sort of fantastic memorabilia of all the films and TV shows this company was doing. We we just went in and sat down, and it was there was Hamilton's friend was this lady from America, Mm -hmm. and there was another guy from Ireland, and somebody else, and. We we didn't realise w- what we were actually there for. I I just thought we were we both thought we were just going down just for a chat and to see Patrick, but it turned out it was a fully blown pitch. Wow! We didn't until well,
4: till the end so of we, it. We hadn't actually been told that.
0: Oh yeah. wow! So you really didn't know what you were walking into here. I mean, you were going to come in yeah, and show these. What these
2: was artists? when when he was starting to get the gear out? Can you hear me? Yeah.
0: Hamilton, was you so? When you did you? Uh, go ahead.
4: Yeah, I mean, it was really a friend of mine that I was at school with who was working for E1 is the name of the company, and he was like, i like, oh, just come down, let's have a chat with a few people, and let's just bounce ideas around." And we didn't know that the sort of the lady from America was kind of their senior. Is it commissioning editor, is that the right word, or commissioning buyer, whatever you call it?
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And the guy who'd come over from Ireland, they had just signed a deal with his company to start developing programs. I mean, we, we didn't know him. We'd not met any of these people. And we just kind of sat there chatting away quite merrily, the same as very much like we're doing now. Mm-hmm. And they all sort of started getting excited and flapping their arms and getting very american tv executive about it <laughs> we just sort of sat there looking at each other and it's like oh right oh okay we'll make a break then I mean, oh fair enough but it really wasn't it carlin mean, it was as vague as that
2: yeah and it was funny i mean we it went on for it was quite about two hours wasn't it and yeah. she, she she was so excited she says oh this is this is incredible we can see a big show with this and." You know we, we think what's all this about you know and and the next thing we were we sort of pulling stuff out and it was just gobsmacked by the items we had, but yeah. really what what was what the funny thing was is they were they were more intrigued by me and Hamilton for some reason really? so that's I think they they, they saw the they saw the collection as something very important, but I think they thought they seen the sort of Whole package of us being able to deliver that as a, a conduit to you know mm-hmm. to to make a show somehow and that's what happened. we didn't actually end up doing the work with the American lady but we subsequently done the show the um, production company in Northern Ireland and it you know it's it's a it's a whole new world once you get involved in terminologies and how the business works, it's really unusual. So the next thing they said is we, we, um, we're going to make a sizzle. And I said, what's a sizzle? And he said, it's, a, it's like a five-minute taster of what a show ah, could okay. be about. Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> so, a oh, a sizzle. Okay, I was wondering, a sizzle. All right, yeah, yeah. that makes sense.
2: <laughs> so the next thing, <clears throat> we got a phone call. And he said, oh, we're sending uh, a camera crew down to yours. And so Hamilton come up to mine, and I, I was breaking it. I was really scared of being in front of the camera because I thought, I'll just freeze. I won't know what to say. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> I can talk till the cows, come home in the pub or with me mates, but put a camera, in, it's like, just like freeze. And I
4: really, he wasn't frightened, was he, Hamilton? Well, it didn't really phase me because I mean, I'm a lot more laid back anyway. Mm. And I mean, nobody really gave us any instructions. It's just like, oh, here's a camera crew, just do something. Do
3: something.
4: <laughs> like what? Just, uh, just unpack some boxes. Oh, okay, fair enough. I mean, it all just seemed very haphazard. That's funny. right. I mean, thought the whole film industry would be some kind of run with Germanic efficiency down to the last second. Right, But it it, it wasn't. I mean, it was just like, oh, let's go up the warehouse and here's someone with a camera. Oh, did anybody bring the battery for it? (laughs) uh, I'm not sure. And then it was just like, oh, oh, we'll point it at you guys. Go over there and unpack some boxes. And it was, you know, again, it just seemed to me all very disjointed but yeah. you know whatever we managed to produce they turned into this little mini five minute movie that I don't know, whoever it was seemed to like it I think yeah. when,
2: we,
4: when we saw that
2: we got invited down to another
4: office somewhere
2: and we went down and, and there was some other American people from some other channel, some, some, some big disc, I, I won't say the name but They'd come to see it, so again we were doing a pitch without realising it. And the next thing, he turned the cameras on, this this, this screen on, and, and lo and behold, there's the sizzle. Um, and oh god, it was horrible for me listening to myself and looking to myself. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, not. It
4: was, nice. it was perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that.
2: Well, I, yeah, it.
4: Well,
2: yeah, but it, it kind of worked and. You know, the, although as Hamilton said, it was quite random what they appeared to be doing when they were filming us. They put, you know, they put together the, the architecture of the show in that sizzle. And we we done we done the filming of the period, and it's only it's only actually when you, when we've seen the show that we kind of get what we're supposed to be. Do you know what I mean? As as yeah, as,
3: yeah.
2: as people on it because. We couldn't visualize what, what what it was, you know, how we were going to present ourselves. Right. So, doing the second series is, is a lot easier because we're not, we understand what we are. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. before I just thought, how the hell are we going to pull this off? But we've got, you know, you've got a good team behind you that pull, do fantastic things and he, mm-hmm. he, you know, keep the story tight and, And and they make it so that people can enjoy
0: it. -hmm. Yeah, and it is. And that's the thing is, you know, to – and you guys have come on and you're, you know, we we just – watching the show, I get the feeling that, you know, you guys are just out there having fun, doing what you're doing, collecting this stuff, and gaining history on it, and then taking these items and over and having them looked at, you know, and having, you know, uh, uh, know, authoritative figures, I guess, or people that would know, examine these items – And it looks like you're just having a great time. So, however you may have been uncomfortable making this happen, you pulled it off very well. I mean, I I was very comfortable watching you guys. I mean, it just seemed like you've been doing this for a long time in my point of view.
4: I think it's because we're not actually TV presenters and we didn't actually intend to get on the television. So we kind of turn up and we're our normal sort of selves. Mm -hmm you're not actually presenting anything in, like, a traditional way. It's just we're kind of getting on with what we do anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, point a camera at us. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And you, we go to nice places and get paid for it, which is very enjoyable. Exactly. <laughs> you know, to, 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 to get put up in a hotel and get your food and drink bought for you, uh, mm-hmm. to make you go in great places. And, and we get to go into you know, buildings with with nobody in them and you know, into places where people don't get that's a real privilege and a fantastic thing for us to get the chance to do. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, And and we've seen that on the show. And that's just I mean you're 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 taking us to places uh, of course I've never been to the UK. So you're taking us viewers to places that we've never seen before. And of course, we're getting the narration, but you know, we get to see it kind of through your eyes on the show, which is just fascinating. And then also, uh, like I said, you know, trying to work with this the items that you have and get some answers to them. Um, and by going and visiting these places. And I know um, you know, speaking, let's jump right in with some of the items that you guys have, or that you know, in the collection. And I guess it, you're you're calling it the hoard. Um, now, this, I guess, was initially, if I remember from what I've read correctly, this uh, mon, many of these items were found um, while they were looking for a graveyard for the Romans or something like a Rome graveyard. Was that is that how that started? What?
4: Yeah, I mean, the, the initial discovery was in 1960. Mm-hmm. And it was entirely by chance, it was some Portuguese who were looking around what was a Roman settlement, mm-hmm. trying to find a Roman graveyard, because, you know, the burial tradition with the Romans, you were buried with your valuables, your gold and your money, and, mm-hmm. you know, jewelry. So, I mean, at that period in time, it was a relatively common thing to do, to go and try and find Roman graveyards. Um by one of those quirks of fate, they were in the wrong part of the town, um, which it wasn't known at the time because excavations and research hadn't been, hadn't been done, mm. and they just dropped on two little caches that were buried. We think about sort of twenty feet apart, oh. and that was the initial part of the hoard, which had got the more, most important pieces in the chalices and the ritual vessels and the, the sort of Agate pieces.
0: And and where, and this was, where, where was this exactly now? This was, I, I've forgotten. I'm sorry if you mentioned that, but where, 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 where was it? In
2: Tomar? In Portugal, yeah. Nice. It's, it's, it's one of the, it's probably the, the, the main Templar town, the most eminent Templar town in mm-hmm. Portugal. You know, it's, 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 it's a stunning place. It's, it's, uh, it was founded by a, a Templar called Gaudenpaix, who, um, was a, a magnificent character, um, there's a big statue of him
1: in the.
0: In the mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we saw that on the show. Yeah, exactly. That's well, right in the square there. Well, so, and I he was. He, he asked, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Gretchen. Sorry,
1: I'm sorry. I just uh, I appreciate seeing different uh, cities, such as in Portugal, Tomar. Uh, it, you brought a different a different slant to the entire Templar subject, over the years, the focus is always on Scotland. Mm -hmm. But it's such a much bigger, broader story than that. And you have brought that to us through these incredible objects that were lovingly, skillfully, expensively created. And the the poignancy I felt in the fifth episode I won't I won't say how it ends for everyone that that watches has not seen that yet, but to find out that the Inquisition did so much damage, yeah. Yeah. and that these objects were were buried in such desperation and hope for for a future and. Did they They couldn't possibly have understood that it was going to take the hundreds of years for them to be rediscovered and they obviously fell into the right hands with the two of you. You know what you're looking at, you knew what you were doing and I'm just so thrilled that over the course of, of a decade you've been able to ma- amass a museum's worth of very special sacred artifacts mm-hmm. with the hand of the most enigmatic chivalrous order that has ever been created uh, behind these objects and it's it's so impressive it's so exciting so forgive me for gushing i i've just i've seen each one of these episodes uh seven times and i learned something new each time and i appreciate your expertise you both have a skill set that is so important Mm. and you know what you're doing and that's so evident and you are who you are. You, you're just real people, but you have a skill set that's impressive. So I just wanted to say thank you for what you've achieved yeah,
0: for, for all cool. of
1: us uh, and for someone like myself. You are completely changing and, and lifting the game, the Templar game. And I've had so many people say to me over the last years, uh, everything that's knowable is, is done and dusted you know, there's nothing else to discover. And I, I always knew that wasn't right. I said, you no, you wait and see. This is gonna get more and more interesting. And here you are. Here
2: you both are much to show as well. You've got to understand it,
0: you know, we only showed
2: five items on series one. Um, and this there's, there's a big collection there, isn't there, Hamilton? Yeah,
4: I, I mean, it was very difficult because it was we didn't really know, you know, is it a one series, is it multiples, or what's going to happen, or we didn't even know the length of what each show was going to be. So right. it was really one item per show was what how it was going to work out. Right. But we, you know, there's a couple of things in the background. But I mean in total, there's out, out of the original hoard and all of the other stuff there's over a hundred items
3: wow.
4: I and mean, it's way more than, than we've discussed or we've we've shown pictures of I mean it's such a variety of things I mean the main and most important pieces were out of the Tomar hoard, which we think was about sort of 25, 30 items in the original find, which has got the obsidian chalices and the better pieces in amongst it. But subsequently coming to light, there's been a lot of very, very interesting stone carvings with chalices and kind of grail worship on and all the sorts of things that probably in period would have been considered heretical.
0: Mm, yep. You know, and speaking of the chalice, I've got a picture of it here. Um, and you know, for some of the folks that uh, haven't seen, whoops, that's the wrong one. Let's go. Uh, get that out of there for a second. I had the wrong picture up. Um, so, I mean, we we've seen the uh, the chalice, of course, and and got a chance to look at that, and then we heard a little bit about how it was created on the show. You know, and talking about, you know, first of all, the fact that I never realized that the you know, obsidian being such a hard substance. And so, and again, this is part of what I was leading to is the fact that you guys are giving us education. Like Gretchen was saying, you're taking us to places that we've, I've never, uh, I've heard of uh, Tomar, but I've never seen it or been able to really understand what all is there. And you're bringing that to light for us all. And then when they talked about this, you had this uh, particular person, I've forgotten his name now, that was on the show that got to examine this chalice. And then he showed, you know, scratching it, you know, this other chunk of it that he had was something, and it was not making any mark at all. And then he finally scratched it with another substance that did mark it, and he was talking about how they used the tapping um, method to actually... Carve this thing out, and that just completely blows my mind at how much time was spent to try to make something like this. Uh, I mean, it had to be a phenomenal to hold this in your hands. I would have to think, right?
4: Uh, Yes, I, I mean, all of the pieces. You know, irrespective whether it's the obsidian or some of the marble vessels or the agate, Mm -hmm. everything is absolutely the top quality that you could have produced at the time 800 years ago. I mean, obviously it's all by different craftspeople and probably in different countries, Mm -hmm. but I mean... You know, whatever it was that the Templars were commissioning, it was money, no object, and it was make the best item that we've commissioned that it was possible to make at the time.
0: Right. And you would think obsidian can't be something that that's easily obtainable, I wouldn't think, that there's like, you know, you don't hear about it that often. Well,
2: we think that that came from uh, the obsidian that the challenge was made of came from Armenia, which is a main source of... Obsidian, um, and obviously, you know, you can imagine being such a valuable material that it would have been on the trade routes, which going up to uh, Jerusalem and all the way to Alexandria and traded, you know, with, with all, all, all different, um, you, you know, along with spices, and it was one of the top commodities, and um, you know, to, to actually carve it, you you wouldn't have picked a low sort of ranking sculptor you would have got somebody that really knew what they were doing to to get
1: their hands on that Yes, and dragonglass as as it's also known had amazing connotations at that time the tradition of the dragon across Europe is established and of course that ties into Arthurian lore, which is uh, the Templars were, were very keen on uh, and Chrétien de Troyes or de Troyes uh, was a contemporary of Bernard de Clairvaux. And the Grail romances were being uh, written about, sung about at that time. So uh, Arthur Pendragon, Head Dragon, and here you have this amazing chalice uh, with these. Uh, and of course the Templars were the walking, talking Grail knights versus versus any embellished legendary lore, but uh, the 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 Pendragon story I believe is a tradition that that's has spread across Europe and was embraced not just by by the British Isles but uh, of course there was the Vlad Dracul and the Order of the Dragon in R- Romania Transylvania etc. So that glass comes right out of that. Eastern eastern part of yeah. Europe. So forgive me, I'm offline, but, but that intrigued me highly as well. Yeah, it's, it's a fabulous
2: piece. It's and it's I don't know whether you, you can understand the size of it. It's quite a big it's a sharing vessel, it's not an individual vessel for one person. Right. So we right. we think it would have been brought out and maybe passed around to each initiate possibly. And it's only conjecture. We can't say for sure what they did with them but really you know when you look back at the these times you know they, they, they all just are real people with the same emotions that we had mm-hmm. and the same deductional skills that we had so it's not really that far fast to say they could have done this and they might have done it like that because we think that so 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 they would have thought in the same
1: right. Right. There's a uh, really interesting book called The Holy Mushroom, and there are frescoes and murals that date back to uh, the Middle Ages uh, and those pivotal centuries where it does indicate that they were experimenting on themselves and and, uh, trying to become more creative and thoughtful uh, in their various invitations.
2: Yeah, think we we've we we we've, we've, we've uh, gone down that road with with that discussion and I think there's a very high possibility that they did use psilocybin mushrooms in, in in some form of ritual too. Because you know you go in when you go into the Shirola in Tomar, which is the the main temple, I mean today there's a there's a doorway on the outside and it's accessed by another entrance. But when it was built there wasn't actually a door on the building, it was accessed via a tunnel that came up into the inside of it. There's wow. a, uh, yeah, I mean, it, so it, it would have um, it would have only been for initiates of the, of the Templar Order to have gone in there. It wasn't a church for the public. And then when you look at when you look at it today, it's it's embellished with um, Catholic sort of um, gesso, stucco, gilt. Frames and you know all, all, all Vatican sort of uh, ephemera, and they're literally just sitting on top of the original um, design work, which is is all polychrome, and they're all they're all really sort of quite psychedelic, um, complex DNA strands and all sorts of fabulous you know unusual matrixes and. You know, they've obviously gone a little bit faded over time, but in the day they would have been highly vivid and they would have had some real purpose and meaning of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's what's so fascinating. I think too is that you've actually been there and you took us there. Um, but the things that you guys have seen has just, you know, it it makes me think, man, I I, I got to get over there. I I've got to go see this. And you're you're not only creating that for everybody that you know has an interest in in Knights Templar and these th- these places that you've been to. Um, You're creating that and you're showing us, which is a fantastic part of the show and not only taking these artifacts and and working with them as well. Um, So one of our, one of our um, uh, very special friends that uh, is part of our group, uh, her name is Ruby Bilaz, and she, she was asking about, um, you know, the material is also, some of this material is also known to have special elements of energy and mystic wisdom. Can do you guys know, do, can you share anything about that at all? You've mentioned holding it and how it makes you feel. I mean, is there something to that?
2: Uh, definitely. I mean, one of the things we didn't do on, on, on the show was discuss any of the sort of... Uh, esoteric experiences or strange things that we, that we that happened to us on 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 this sort of journey or whatever you want to call it, and we didn't do that because we didn't want to pollute or corrupt the narrative of the items in their own right, you know. And, right. And we thought it, it, it might have been, you know, it might it might have damaged the story, so we we didn't really go there on that, but. Um certainly when you hold some of the items, you can feel things. I, I, some people don't, you know, but I, I, I think Hamilton has.
0: Go ahead, Hamilton.
4: I was going to say, certainly um, the, the two obsidian vessels, mm-hmm. um, the, the one that wasn't actually in the, in the first series, is a little bit smaller than the one that was featured. But, I mean, out of all of the group of vessels, that one is the one that specifically the the odd few people we've let somewhere near it. I mean, pretty much everybody gets something from it. I mean, it's very hard to describe until you've actually picked it up and handled it. It's just got something about it that's very hard to describe with words. And if you start going down the route of, oh, it's got mystical energy, you you kind of, I don't know, we feel maybe we're kind of going to get branded a little bit away with the fairies and the new age. But it it isn't at all. I mean, it it genuinely isn't. A lot of what I would call perfectly normal, intelligent, well-balanced people who aren't at all into the spiritual world have picked it up and you just get it, you pick it up, and the moment you're handling it, it's got this something or other about it, a bit like when you walk over lane lines or energy lines, you know, if you're receptive to it, it's just there, you feel it, and you can't mm-hmm. really tell anybody else why, it,
1: it just is.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree All
1: with you. All of these objects and uh, ancient churches are meant to stir emotional responses from a human being. These tall, tall structures that you keep looking up and up and up, and most people at that time, they didn't live in a dwelling that had a second floor. So, you know, you find yourself in this structure that is breathtakingly, impossibly beautiful and uh, impossible to build, and the smaller objects that you hold as well are meant to elicit a, a response of, in miniature of that same, you know, breathtaking. Uh, ah. Well, it's not
4: only the objects. When you actually look at some of the constructions of the buildings, it's, it's the position of them. So many of them, like Tomar and Charts over in France... The locations where they're built, they're either over the intersections of ley lines, or they're over the intersections of um, underground waters and streams, or magnetic energy fields. You mm-hmm. know, it, it isn't an accident that these places were constructed here; it was thought out very deliberately. Mm-hmm. I think a lot
2: of the sites were actually former Celtic worship sites as well. So, they're yeah. not. short was a former. Worship site before the temple is built on it. They, they, you know, they picked the best places to connect all this energy and to perform rituals on those sites. And it they would have all linked up the part, mm. you know, whatever you put into them or whatever you take out of them is, is coming off this grid system. And we, right. we, we don't know what it is today. I mean, you know, it's a bit like if you look at what Tesla was doing, he was looking at. The energy grid in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's connected. Maybe they, they, they. You know, there was some knowledge that was that we've lost now, or right. we don't know. But the, the Templars knew something about it. They <clears throat> on that side, and they were also, you know, very sophisticated in the uh, appreciation for the aesthetic. So, you know, you can see with the gothic architecture and these items that they're, they're, they're beautifully, uh, exquisitely designed. And mm-hmm. there's a reason for that, you know, because we all know when you see nice things, it makes you feel good straight away. There's there's a, a positive payback the instant you see something. Uh, conversely, when you see ugly architecture or ugly items, it, 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 you, you're repulsed by it. You don't want to... You don't want to get close to it.
1: Yeah, So it's about bringing, bringing uh, as above, so below. We've all heard that one so many times, but it's true. And light, Vesele, the, the Church of Desilet, uh dedicated to Mary Magdalene. I believe it's eight pools of light. They positioned the cathedral so that, that uh, I believe it's the summer solstice, which is, of course, John the Baptist's feast day is the 24th, the solstice is the 21st of June, but you get these eight pools of light that come in right down the center of the aisle, leading right up to the main altar, so it's it's, it's a stunning effect, and light uh, is energy, and I, absolutely, I, I agree with that, and of course today we, we do have different instrumentation that can measure. Yeah, and, and the, the
2: number eight seems to be a a big carrying number within the Templar order. You know, you, you, we see this number everywhere we go with columns and altars, um, and even the amount of the amount of sort of uh, initiates that would be in, say, the chiral. We think it's eight plus. said, you know the, the guy in in Portugal said it's it's eight plus one, which brings the number to nine, and the one would have been the Grand Master. Um, right. You know, Servicing.
1: Yeah. Um, Hamilton, I wanted to ask you: Do you have a favorite piece?
4: Whatever comes next. That's got. <laughs> what <you>, what? <laughs> Everything we're collecting is what whatever you've got. You're never totally satisfied with because there's always another thing to come. Mm-hmm. So what, whatever comes next is the favourite for about three days. And then it's, oh, oh, <laughs> no, I you know, I, it, I'm the same with, with everything I collect. I mean, I know Carl has got pieces out of the hoard that he really has a leaning to. And I think other people do. But it's just, I don't know, I, I have a different view of everything that it's like, I can't be satisfied and stopped. There's always something next to come, and I'm absolutely convinced that what's coming next is going to be better than what I've already got. Wow. And that's probably what drives you on. That's yep. probably why you get up in the morning and you still, I want to go back to Portugal. I want to go over mm-hmm. to Eastern Europe. There's something better to have. You know, it's just, it's, it's an obsession.
1: It's a total it utter obsession for me. I know how you feel. Yes. Carl, what about you? Do you have, a um, Hamilton alluded to, that you might have a few favourite pieces that, have we seen those yet? Or? You
2: haven't seen, it's a smaller obsidian chalice, the individual chalice that, that is the magic one. That's that's uh-huh. the, if you wanted one item, I'd, 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 I'd be walking away with that. You know. But, um, okay. you know, obviously the sword is amazing because, oh it's, yeah it's, you know, boys and toys thing with swords you know we we, we like weapons and stuff and i just think i try to imagine you know where that's been and what what events and stuff happened around it you know it's 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 fantastic and also when you when you actually hold it they're they're so well balanced and you know you can you can see how they were used they were designed perfectly um and it's great for us as well because we, you know, that these items are not behind a big sheet of plate glass in yes. a museum. Exactly. We there. And, and we don't have to wear white gloves when we're doing it either. Yeah, uh, I noticed that.
0: Yes,
2: yes.
0: That's neat, and th- and the fact that you're bringing this out so that we all can see it as well, you know, because as you you guys have alluded to um, previously, you've talked about the fact that they're. Um, I guess we lost Hamilton. Oh, hopefully he can call, call back in. I'm going to send him a message here real quick. Um, but, you know, you have people that would have um, uh, artifacts that, um, you know, they, they don't ever show it. You know, they keep it locked in a, in a basement or they keep it locked in their own uh, personal storage um, or collection, and they don't really let that out to the public. And the fact that you guys are and you're sharing these with everybody is that's, that's the phenomenal part for us because yeah go ahead
2: big thing we want we we would ultimately like to do is to get these in some sort of exhibit place where people can actually come and see them um because there's nothing like seeing them in real life um but the problem you know it's a big problem having the collection because it's a big responsibility you know that we've got to protect them um and we can't past a month to just anybody. We've got to really qualify the bona fides and intentions of the next sort of custodian caretaker of these. I <clears> was wondering
1: sure. what, what your forward plan might be on, on that front. So thank you for bringing that up. because This is so, so significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm, it's got to be the right
2: person because if you think about it, you don't want you don't want a sort of a James Bond villain that says it's they're all mine and I'll put them in my cellar and right. only, only I get to look at them. Exactly. Um, and equally, you could get somebody and you could get a group of people that want to pulverize this collection for political or religious reasons and to make it publicly known that they've done it. And and they pay big money to just do that because the value to certain groups of people would be so high that yeah we'll just destroy it but so we've really got to make sure that whoever we find is is, is, is the right person for this or the right organization and that they're going to allow the public to see them.
1: Yeah so uh, so many of the big museums they've only they only display an eighth or a quarter of what they have and that's sad and I realize there aren't enough days and people. Yeah, he's
0: back. Yeah, I think we got you back. I called you. <laughs> I, ca- I ended up calling you on a on a different uh, through uh, Facebook there. So can you hear us? Okay. Ah, okay. No,
4: that's why. No, Skype just cut me off. I think you can only talk for an hour, but he cuts you. But I'm back. I can hear you perfectly,
0: Jeff. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, can you guys hear him? Okay. Yeah,
4: we... yeah.
0: Okay. Good. We
2: were just talking Hamilton about the next custodian of the collection. What we what we wanted to ensure it happened, you know, with the with the with the next people that, that 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 are looking after it. And I was I was just saying that we want to make sure it's the right kind of person or organisation who protect it and allow the public to see
4: it. Well I think the important thing is the amount of effort um, that's taken to get it this far. Is it now it's back together as a group, it's got to stay as a group, it can't ever be split up again. Yeah.
0: Right. I think that's very important. Yep. Yeah, absolutely.
4: Yeah. Right. They're not
2: they're not, they're, they're, they're not they're, commodities now. No. You know, they're not they're not just items to be hoard on the market. You know, there's a a serious reverence around them. Um and that being the case, we've really got to make sure we've got to look after it while we've got it and make sure that when, when that baton's passed to the next custodian, that they, they, they do exactly the same.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm not actually dead yet, so it doesn't occur. But as <laughs> yeah. there is a good series of lawyers there behind the scenes to sort of make sure it all um, it all flows as we want it to, put it that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, that, and the fact that, uh, like you said, finding the next custodians that would be able to... Um, carry on what you're doing and keep it all in one place, you know, keep it all together. Um, and, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, you know, having to, you know, keep this uh, stuff safe uh, too, until, until that day comes, I mean, and, and, and insurance on it or whatever. I mean, it's got to be, uh, I would be scared to death, quite honestly, I'd be scared to death to have some of these items and afraid that somebody would, it would try to steal them from me or something. I, I, I would, I'd be on pins and needles every day about that. I yeah. can't think
4: about it or I would never sleep for the rest of my life. That's
0: true. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, just
4: got to pretend it's sort of a, uh, oh, don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> the only way you can deal with it, obviously, if you sat and thought about it, every time you moved one of these pieces around for filming, you'd be tearing your hair out with stress. You, you just, you can't let it get active.
0: Yep, that's very true. I'm going to bring up a picture of this. Um, this is the uh, vibration. Um, uh, yes, thank you. vibration uh, cup. Um, and this is a phenomenal piece right here. I am absolutely blown away by this. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about rituals. And and I know that I think you had a researcher by the name of Dan Jones that was working with you. Um, but he was kind of poo-pooing the whole idea of these rituals um, because he wasn't finding anything on it. But, in fact, there really wouldn't be anything, in my opinion. There wouldn't be some things written down. About different rituals that may go through. Now, on an entry level, when they bring in a a, a new uh, recruit into the the Knights Templar, they there's going to be a certain level of you know, uh, you know, coming in indoctrination and what he might have to go through. But as you go up in your higher ranks, I'm thinking there would have to be some sort of a of a ritual. Isn't that kind of what you're thinking as well? And I know that that Gretchen probably has some information on this as well. But uh, what's your thoughts on that?
4: To- totally agree. I mean, if, if you look at, inter- at it in, in, like, what you call modern terms, it's only the same as like a Masonic society. Is that the the in? Your initial joining of the order, you know, you get a rule book, you're told what's going on, but then you progress through all the however many degrees there are, mm. and each one is a secret until you join that particular level of Freemasonry. Mm. You're not allowed to know what's going on within the temple, and I think. Within the Templar organisation, there's no documentation. Just to start with, you know, it was destroyed eight hundred years ago. The knowledge is gone. But very clearly, in every order, you know, the same with the hospital as all the Teutonics, there were different levels, different ranks of people.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly, and it's and it means it, it definitely would be something that I think would be um, you know passed down through you know you you like you said you wouldn't know until it's time for you to be brought into that level of ranking. Uh, I, I don't know if that's the right word to use, ranking. But you wouldn't know until you brought in, and then you now you know, and then there's going to be maybe a a level above you that you're not going to know anything about as well. I know, I know that Gretchen has probably done a lot Uh, of this sort of thing. The
1: the oral tradition is so strict and so rigorous that I don't think we can possibly appreciate that today. Our culture is so casual, so laid back, but the the discipline of oral tradition. Is astonishing, and it's akin to being an athlete. And not everybody can make that happen, uh, can can produce produce a result like that within them. And the the libation vessel is an incredible piece because the beard of what of I, I agree is John the Baptist here, because in iconic lore, you know, of course, he was beheaded. So uh, we know immediately it's John the Baptist. And his beard is layered in three sections. So is this meaning that you are now at the third level, and this vessel is, is containing the entirety of that that welcoming gesture of, of sharing what's within the vessel, the vessel of knowledge? So. It's an, it's an astonishingly beautiful piece, and the, uh, of course it has the, the cross paté on it, but the Templar cross. It's, it's astonishing. I've never seen anything like it. But uh, yes, we, we, it is conjecture. Hamilton is right. We don't know everything, and perhaps we don't want to. Yeah, true. Uh, because then that would take some of the fun out of this. But um, I, oral tradition, uh, when the Templars were 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 taken out, as it were, and I- I've always been of the mind, we're not talking about just one guy on a horse or twenty thousand knights across Europe. It takes three to six men to keep one knight on a horse, and they were they were merchants. Uh, they they made wine, horseshoes, tiles. They were farming. Uh, they were in business big time across the board, and they were embedded in with the merchant guilds, the merchant traders. Uh, so you know this this knowledge of of ecstatic, if you will, uh, prayer and perhaps gifts of sight that that can be bestowed from uh, above down to earth spread organically throughout that network so we're not talking night to night and if you take out a thousand nights it's all gone no Mm -hmm. no it's it it's it's an organic thing because human beings are organic and the language changes over time even our language today has changed so much with the addition of new words because of our technology the way we, we handle ourselves with each other so things do change. That's natural. And so, so the traditions that were were rigorously protected amongst that knightly uh, monkish order are are uh, filtered out into the merchant classes. Then got passed down father to son uh, or adopted son. And of course, you know, uh, the the ladies uh, often fill those shoes too. Mm-hmm. So. But uh, you have to watch me. I will talk if you so. later. <laughs> yeah, it's fine.
0: You've got so much knowledge. Well,
4: uh, it's always know. good to learn. Thing that people don't really take into account is that whoever is looking at this stuff now, we're all looking through it with 21st century eyes, which is totally different to the people who were looking at it in period. Because you know, when you look at a lot of the pieces, there's loads of little symbols on them, there's triangles, there's snakes, there's alpha omegas, which when you look at it today, it's it's a meaningless thing. It's just a symbol. But when you actually start unpicking it, going back 800 years, the people looking at it would know exactly what it means. A triangle in symbology means a door. Cross keys aren't two keys. It's the symbol of the Pope or the Vatican. It still is. It's on the Vatican's flag. Alpha and Omega aren't two Greek letters. It's symbolizing a complete thing. It's the beginning and the end. And trying to understand and pick through the sort of multitude of kind of encoded meanings within all of these objects. That's really fascinating.
0: Oh, yeah. And you're exactly right, because we are, like you said, we're looking at this through our eyes today. And, and you know, the things that mean something to us today would be gibberish to to some people 200 years from now they would look at this and not understand exactly what it is they're seeing and be able to interpret it the way we do today we can glance at a symbol and know exactly what it means um, you know you you know i'm going to throw something out like the 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 apple you know the apple icon that's used for apple you know iPhones and that you look at that today we all know exactly what that means but 300 yeah. 400 years from now they'll look at that and not have a clue what it means and so i see exactly what you mean in that respect because all these symbols, you know, they they, they they might know what some of them represent or whatever, but could be looked at completely different from what they did when they were created. And they would have been commonplace at that time, I would think, right? Like you were just saying.
1: I wouldn't use the word commonplace, but I understand what you're saying, Jeff. Right, right uh, yeah,
0: maybe not commonplace because it was an order, but yeah.
1: And this is where it gets murky, and I'm sure Hamilton and Carl know this quite well. You You had to exist within uh, the, the religion of the day and you had to be very covert if you had a, a slightly different viewpoint on, on an incident uh, in the Bible uh, or, or how human beings actually interact with their world uh, intuitively. So so often it's like an onion and these symbols have mul- uh, multiple meanings so that you can completely explain away uh, justifiably so you would not be marked as a heretic uh, so that the triangle becomes it well is, is a symbol for the, the Holy Trinity. So you know uh, and as Hamilton said at the doorway, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, the, then you have the tetragrammaton, you know, that, that, that triangle where all light comes through accountability. Mm-hmm. So it, it gets very complex. No, and have... that's why you start with a picture when you're talking to somebody and you introduce them to a new idea through the picture.
0: Right, one of the, one of the users were asking about the uh, libation cup, and they were saying something about the fact that um, um, would this? It was actually a, a member by the name of David, and he was asking about the this cup, the vessel. Um, would this because it's John the Baptist that's you know carved on the four sides of it? It would this have something to do with the um, you know, where they were being accused of drinking from the head of Bapt John the Baptist? you know, where it's starting to throw that uh, heretical type of uh, stuff. Is, is that is that sound plausible at all? Is that something that might? I do, it? yeah. I
2: mean, it's, it's, it's 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 as good as anyone's uh, conjecture on, on, on why they've done that, you know, or um, equally it could be that it can be seen by everybody around them. You know, if, if a master is held in a vessel, mm-hmm. um, everyone in, in, let's say, for example, you were in a circle, um you know the the is faces out, so it's, it's given everyone a chance to see the same image
3: mm-hmm.
0: yep. yeah not only that but and and I know that cup that wasn't used as a cup obviously it has that little niche and I can um it's got that little niche in the in the corner which it looks and I think that Hamilton either you or or uh or Carl you had explained it, it would have some sort of like a a, a silver bowl that went inside there with like a little spout or something where you would pour maybe use that for mixing and pour something out, is that correct?
4: I I think we're both confident in that, that you know whatever was mixed in it there's no marks actually in the bottom of the vessel of like a pestle or grinding marks or Mm -hmm. anything at all, so I I think it's, you know it's safe to assume that it had some kind of inner sleeve be it silver, gold we don't know, but I mean there's, it, it seems so precise and there's no marks on the inside at all, mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't really make sense Right, and it was clearly designed
2: for to pour something into a separate cup because it's mm-hmm. the, the lip on the top of it is flat, it's about half an inch wide, so it's not designed for drinking from, right. and there's it, it, the caught out in we must have had some form of a spout to, to pour out into a smaller vessel, we believe anyway.
0: Right, right. And that makes sense because it looks like it might be something you would use to mix ingredients together and then of course pour out into the cup that people would then drink from, which yes. may very well be the
4: for for sure, I mean, there's no reason for the vessel to exist unless you were mixing things together. Right. If you were simply just pouring wine or something into the whatever the ritual vessels are, mm-hmm. you don't need a mixing vessel. It, it defies any logic. So, again, we haven't got the faintest idea what it was they were mixing together, but very clearly something was being mixed together.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I wanted to go to the, um, the next uh, item, too, that we were looking at. And, and again, this is one that really fascinates me. And I was blowing trying to say the name of it, the reliquary box. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, yeah. Okay, did I do that all right? Um, and that's this item here. And there's a picture of, uh, of you, uh, Hamilton, holding it uh, when you took it out of the uh, chest that it was kept in. And so we're looking at a picture of you holding it, where we see um, on the one side, this is the, the opposite side has what we, you know, you guys had talked about being um, uh, Mary and Jesus being on the back side. Now we're looking at the side um, that would be who the king uh, was that um, described.
2: You've got Saint George on, on
0: Saint the George and and it's showing him slaying a dragon on there as well um now what what would this box have been used for you know what would in some what it had been to, what would it have been to hold i guess as i get what i'm kind of wondering about
4: I mean, the, the general purpose of any kind of reliquary right through the ages is they tend to have been made to hold something specific. I mean, within the normal church, it tends to be the bones of a saint or a uh-huh. specific item that belonged to a known person. But what this one was made to hold, we simply don't know, unfortunately. True. No way.
3: Right.
1: i was wondering that myself because it's uh, uh of the time of henry the navigator and it, it perhaps um, my flights of fancy uh nav- special navigation tools or plotting tools compass etc but well, i was wondering what you thought about that
4: well henry the navigator being sort of one of the younger sons of the king Um, I mean he came to head the Order of Christ which was the sort of the rebranding of what the Templars were and I mean it was Henry who set out on a lot of the voyages down to Africa and he was the first of the great Portuguese explorers before Vasco da Gama or anybody else came along. And I mean, Henry chose to build his residence up at Tomar, adjacent to where the Templar castle was. I mean, the ruins of it are still there. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't know. I mean, it's the only piece out of the whole horde that post-dates the Templars. But the actual architectural elements of the box, I mean, Carl can explain it better. The, you know, Carl, the elements on the building itself. Yeah, to the you, box. yeah when,
2: you, when you look at the box, it's, uh, it's like the roof of a building, and there's, there's a, a line of tracery, like pierced metal on it. You can see it on the top. Of it. It's, it surrounds the edge of the building, the, the top of the box, yeah. Um, when, you go, when you go to the Convento Cristo in, in, uh, in Tomar, which is where you've, you've got the castle, and within that, you've got the Shirola. And the, behind the Shirola, it just goes on and on and on. There's about, there's at least five cloistered sections, five separate cloisters. And one of them, one of the sections is, is Manuelian design. Um, and you can clearly see exactly the same piercing uh, rails on the building of this cloister that's exactly the same as on the relinquiry box. Wow. So, you know, there's some architectural symbolism that you can see actually in, in the building, in 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 the Convent of Christ in, in Tomar. But it's all the other stuff around it as well, you know, the, the fact that, that's the only image we've ever seen that depicts um, Saint George as an old man with a mm. long beard. Because if you look at all the images you've seen of Saint George, he's a fighting age of a, a young late twenties, early thirty year old man. And we've never seen that that done anywhere. So that is really intriguing. Um, mm. The Jesus. The Jesus on the back is unusual because normally Jesus is in a loincloth when, when you're seeing him with the thorn mm. of cr- uh, the crown. Right, of right.
0: Yep, with the crown and of thorns. He's
2: in a habit, so that's curious. And it's even more curious that they will put Jesus on the back of the box. Right. And not- yes,
1: he should be front and centre.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: So it's full of fantastic riddles that, you know, we'd be delighted if somebody could tell us what they mean, because it's, you know, there's, there's so much to, to learn from this. And somebody might have a painting or something that there's some obvious synergy with this, and they go, oh, I can see why that's, that's put together. But, you know, today, it's uh, nobody's come forward with anything that we can say. Oh, that's why they've done that, you know. It's, um, it's, it's, it's
1: on the roofline, Carl, there appear to be four little beasties. Yeah. Uh, do you have any idea of what you think those might might be?
0: On the well, uh,
1: I was wondering they, if they were they, salamanders yeah. or little dragons. Well, they, kind
2: of, are some reptilian kind of depiction, and they're, they're not exactly a gargoyle or a punky funk or anything like that. But they're right. they're, 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 a, they're a fantasy figure, and um, they're like, not. Uh, animal that we know of, but they usually—they usually to ward off evil, aren't they? You know when yes, yes when we put gargoyles or punky folks on gothic architecture. That's it's right, the, the time to to sort of uh, ward off and, and, uh, hell, and
1: evil.
3: Yeah.
2: Y- yes, yes.
0: I'm going to see if I could make this a little bigger, but unfortunately, my picture I can't I can't uh, make it larger there. But yeah, you can kind of see on the corners here something. Um some kind of the, the creatures you're speaking of.
2: it's had some work come to it as well in the past, you know it, since it's been discovered that some some restoration some some some, some bits that you know that need need attention, but we haven't we haven't really touched it at all. you know there's some of the traceries missing off the roof line as well, and mm-hmm. it's and bit's but it's it's remarkably in remarkably well conditioned, considering.
3: Yep. The, the yeah. Yeah, really. And the it is.
2: big thing about that, you know, um, which we found really curious, was the fact that it's made out of base metal rather than a precious metal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 cost, uh, yet again. They've used a very top artisan to fashion and craft that box. Mm-hmm. Why why wouldn't you've used gold or silver? And right. the only answer we, we kind of come up with which seems plausible, but it is only a, an idea, is that maybe the, the idea of using base metal was in homage to the Templar beliefs of, of, of staying modest and you know, living a right. pure, pure life without really. um, and, and And that's why it was made out of iron.
1: A, a humble medal, not yes. not a uh, uh, that is one of the markers of the Cistercians and the Templars was the affordability to roll out the franchise by not requiring or desiring the gold leaf, the jewels, the bedecked altars, etc. It was the architecture that counted and the business that counted. But uh, yes, that is a curious thing, and it's so highly decorated. The reliquary box is so highly ornate. There's nothing simple about it, other than the metal that it was created out of. Right.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Very curious.
2: It's like something. It's like something out of a movie. You know the, if, you'd almost think a fantasy creator designed that because it's that good. It's that mysterious look, and it, everything patina, the color, the size, all a little intriguing. Details on it. It's it's incredible. It's a beautiful. item. I have
1: to ask you. I have to ask you this both you and Hamilton So this is actually a really dangerous area to be involved in because relic uh, Hunting if you will of the modern era with these incredibly precious objects, and of course, religious connotations. Um, have you, I guess it's a two-parter, have you ever found yourself in a dicey situation whilst trying to acquire an object? Uh, so, and, uh, or, or has it, has your experience been friendly, or are you even able to ask oh, <laughs> or sure. tell?
2: I think Hamilton's best asking. You know, all I can say is my, my main experience in the past was dealing in classic cars that have been in some very dangerous situations, you know. It's, it, people People are strange and, um, you know, there's, there's, there's all kinds of people out there. But I don't think, what do you think, Hamilton? I don't think you've had any any really bad, bad experiences,
4: have you? No, I mean, the whole thing although it's been kind of a long process it's actually been surprisingly simple i mean this is my business anyways which right. i've always done but you know it just it was just one of those weird things that again we've not talked about because it sounds peculiar but number of coincidences and people that i was coming across and leads that i was picking up when all of this was going on seven eight years ago tracking the initial things down it was almost so simple it was those it was being laid on a plate i mean bear in mind there was stuff in switzerland that had been there for 40 50 years stuff had changed hands numerous times nobody ever really wants to talk but it just just came so easily i mean the the only things that we've had and it was exactly what we were expecting is you know, there is always going to be a, a group of people who are totally negative because either you stole it, you made it in, or shared it some ridiculous scam, you're out for the money. But you know, we, we knew that was coming, and it, I, I don't even react to it anymore. It's a shrug of the shoulders. The stuff's real. We told you what the story is. Your passing you know, comments on things you know nothing about, you've never seen it, you never even bother to contact us, and yet you find it necessary to slight us. So, don't you know, yeah. no worry about it. If that makes you happy, do it. I don't
0: care. Well, yeah, and it, it definitely brings up that little that little thought. You know, you think of like Raiders of the Lost Ark or something, when they're out trying to find a particular piece or something, and the danger that's involved in that. You got to meet the Dark. You know, hey, come over here. I got this. You know, you, you just wonder what that's all about when you're looking to go buy something. You know. Uh, and or look at an item to see if you, you know, want to buy it from this person or not. So you think there's all mm-hmm. kinds of like weird stuff involved in that.
4: Not in the least. Uh, okay. I mean, if you're dealing in Middle East and stuff, and you're trying to go over to Syria or the Gulf States, you're going to get yourself a problem. But this was never like that. You know, you're tra- you're tracking something down that appeared in Europe. Sixty odd years ago, mm-hmm. you know, it just you followed the pathways of well, we know it went to Switzerland. Where did it go? Where was it split up to? You, you're not in the leagues of the people who were going out trying to kind of trade in, uh, you, you know, a Syrian or Babylonian or Iraqi type finds. That's where you're going to get yourself in bother. We, we've had mm-hmm. nothing. Well, I've had nothing in anyway. life.
1: Nothing. nothing aside, you know, aside from the dangers of a hangover, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, we've had loads of those.
1: Well, that's
4: just normal whether you're out looking for clutch or doing something else. I mean, that's just part of the course.
0: Yeah, yeah you meet the pub and you know have a, have a pint or two and then talk about you know what you're gonna you know you know oh. Well, you can, you can I
2: usually tell. You can usually tell when we've had a good session when we've been filming because we'll be wearing sunglasses on the day after. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a well, good point.
0: I have to watch for that.
1: I, yeah oh.
2: you know, we've absolutely maxed out tonight before
1: i will pay attention to that next time <laughs> we'll see <this> yeah. out. <laughs>
0: there was another item that you know honestly this particular item and i'm going to bring up the picture of the uh the 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 helm um that uh you had uh hamilton that you had talked about uh this particular helmet that um, has the Nazi uh, stamp or whatever, that um, brass, I don't know if it's made out of brass or what, uh, put oh, on the front.
4: The crest on the front of the, Yeah, yeah, from Himmler.
0: Yes, and I mean, you're talking about, you know, Henrik Himmler, Himmler and, and having, you know, and, and then I saw the picture where he showed that sitting in the castle there up on the, the windowsill, and it could be the same, very same one. It looks like it, it very well could be. I mean, wow this piece this piece intrigues me so very very much especially if it was in his hands and and you had some information about how you know the regime at that time was looking for these different artifacts were they not
4: yeah i yeah. mean Himmler himself was a an absolute ardent collector of arms and armor anything from the german medieval period and i mean he himself prior to the days of the nazi party he was as much as an amateur historian and fascinated by the whole grail legends and mythology as we are Mm -hmm. and he was actually an extremely well-read a very very well informed historian it just kind of all went a little bit astray shall we say a little Mm -hmm. bit later in his life
0: yeah and this this piece just fascinates me and and one of the user our members here just you know reached out with a question about that which was what i was just thinking is that you know is i'm sure there's probably a possibility that if they were collecting some of this stuff Um, there may be more items that might still be in Germany or something or or hidden away somewhere over there, do you think? That might be a possibility.
4: well, of the stuff that was looted out of Stalingsberg in, I think it was May '45, there was a complete armory room in in Himmler's personal quarters. I mean, there was there was quite a quantity of, of pieces. I've got another piece that was his. Mm-hmm. There's there are some pieces in America, and there are quite a few pieces in Russia. I mean it, it, when you get in the circle of arms and armor it is known where some of the pieces are but Again, see. it's not like the sort of thing that's broadcasted around you know we, we all operate in our own little secret world of who's doing what but yes there are pieces about
0: that's fascinating and i know that uh you know and like you had mentioned earlier there's a, probably a lot of pieces that well there are obviously more pieces that we um, have not seen yet that's part of your collection. If you have over a hundred in this particular collection, um, and, I'm, and I'm assuming that that's going to be some of those are going to be coming out in the in the next season of the show, which we're all looking forward to. I know I am. Um, but one of the other things, too, was that um, these items that it's so interesting that you've not only taken these items to go and have them looked at by a particular specialist in the field. But you're kind of leaving the interpretation open on that. You know, you, you really don't, you know, people are saying, Well, they don't have any conclusions. They haven't come to any conclusions, but in 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 retrospect, that's kind of where you're leaving that open to other people for interpretation. Is that correct?
4: Well, we, we
2: can't we can't make any conclusions, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. you're looking at old items and it's it's for it's every it's for everybody to conject and to right. To add light onto them, some some people might just have one one little nugget of information that could change the whole story on these items mm. or on one item, um, and we're open we're open for people to to enlighten us on it.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what's really neat about the fact and the fact that you're bringing this out to the public and not keeping it locked away in a in a. Um, someplace, you know, it would be really nice that uh, I mean, people would. I I know personally, I would. If these items were in a museum or you know, on display someplace, um, I would try my best to get there and to to see them for myself and and get to be that close to it uh, rather than seeing it on television. I mean, this would be that would be fascinating, and we're really
2: mm-hmm. well. All the items are all packed up and locked away, and occasionally we have to go and. Um, find a specific item for for whatever reason and it is exciting for us every time when we we get them out and and look at them again you know it's it's a, it's a big thing because we we don't we don't we don't have them on on the shelf or you know on the table in the living room they're actually locked away and you know in 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 in, in, in safe storage but it's 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 brilliant when you get them out and you can see them again. It's mm-hmm. it's just and every time it's it, it's as exciting as the first time you've seen them They They have that thing about them, you know,
0: mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, I think go just
4: going back on what you were saying Jeff that you know, the, there's always been rumors of what were the Templars doing? They were obviously up to something behind closed doors, right? And I mean, with the group of ritual vessels, what I think it has definitely done, it's enabled you to stand up and say, well, yes, it wasn't a rumour. They were certainly doing something. Mm -hmm. Because if they weren't, you wouldn't have all of this stuff. It wouldn't have been looked after and considered sacred. It would never have been manufactured. So you kind of proved the point that, yes, we can now say that there were things going on but i don't think me and carl or particularly anybody else is ever likely to be able to say what was going on other than everybody's got their own ideas whether it was regular religion whether it was hallucinogenics whether it was weird john the baptist things i don't know i mean Everybody will have their own ideas, and mm-hmm. whatever you say or I say, somebody's going to disagree with you anyway. So right. it's easier just to leave it open. And well, he's there for discussion.
1: Nobody's right or wrong, and mm-hmm. nobody ever will be, I don't think.
0: Right. And, and you he's know, right. the interest of it, too. Go ahead, well, Gretchen.
1: Exactly. Oh, sorry. I just to say that, yeah, uh, Hamilton is right. There is not a letter saying, uh, Sir. Uh, John Smith uh, in a initiation ritual into the order did X, Y, and Z, said X, Y, and Z, ingested herbs, whatever. You know, it's, it does not exist. Only the trial uh, materials that were gained under torture and exist. Of course, there are some consistencies, but some of those responses, you know, that, that, that was... Uh, you know, forced, forced Confessions uh, with a witch hunting book. Um, so you know, the, some of these answers are very uh, are very uh, dependable uh, under torture, especially if they were told to say it. But um, uh, it's it's good to talk about ideas. It's good to bring up questions because that's when. Perhaps an inspiration will happen, and mm-hmm. somebody may, may may key into a a potential that that might be traced down. But that's what we're all trying to do and that's what makes this so riveting and so exciting and
0: and going on top of that too is the fact that if we did know then 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 it's kind of like it's kind of like you're searching for different items that you've done and and i think hamilton alluded to this earlier it's it's the finding of the next item or the searching for the next item that gives you the excitement so if we knew about all the rituals that they had done Okay, the excitement would be gone. So, but for you to sit and think, oh man, I wonder what they were doing. You know, I wonder what kind of things that they had going on. That is actually more exciting than than having the present of knowing. I think in in, in the end, Definitely. yeah. So that I mean that that, the gen- that gives the the more. The journey
2: is always more interesting than the destination, yeah. isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yes. Exactly right. Do you
1: have in your collection, if you're allowed to say anything that relates to maritime or uh, naval uh activities? Uh
4: no, it's all naval. I don't think so. No, nothing springs to mind. Not of the sort of temporary type here. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, okay. nothing at I can think of.
1: Perhaps that's what <laughs> you need to find. <laughs> yeah, you
0: <did laughs> Carl's oh, looking for something, I guess. <laughs> <don't you? laughs> Oh,
2: so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There you go. That's the There's your it. He made the shark's head sort of uh, <laughs> top for it.
0: A little oh, that's awesome, right there. That's
2: <laughs> I used to watch right him. I've here. still got the box of um, all his tools, how we used to make them, and they're great, aren't they? Oh, they
0: yeah. are. It's fascinating. Um, something I wanted to bring up too, and I know that this is, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a touchy subject for you guys, but, you know, and, and we're going to wrap this up here in just a little bit. I try to keep this to two hours. Uh, we're at about an hour and a half right now. So just uh, um, bear with us a little bit here. But one of the, one of the the key things that I know that was brought up by, you were having an interview, it was a radio interview. And there was a lady by the name of Michelle. And I, and I'm sorry, Michelle, if you ever see this, but I did want to give you uh, a, a, you know mention on this that i did watch the the interview that you did with uh, carl and hamilton um, but you brought up the point of the academia and in how they look upon what you guys are doing because you're collectors and their academia so they look at this i mean they probably don't like the idea that you have these things right it's, I mean, um,
2: yeah we're, we're the heretics we're we're, we're the antichrist too to the establishment because we we didn't we didn't they're not found in a controlled environment so you know if it's it was in a controlled environment then you know the provenance is very easy to test and 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 our characters can't be assassinated but uh, you know the british museum and most museums around the world are full full of items um that have there have been found by non non academics in in the past and they've disowned the way through there. We
3: mm-hmm.
2: we, we think we've got as much right to talk about these items and, and present them in any manner that we feel fit. To. Totally agree. But sadly, the the a large part of the academic world would would uh, you know find our, our position um, not 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 one that they would prefer. They'd they'd like them to belong to another established body. Um, and, you know, it's it's a big find for for, for old lay so called lay people to mm-hmm. stumble upon, um, and you know until maybe one day they're in 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 some sort of institutional museum. Then you know we're going to be open. We knew we were going to be out for criticism from day one.
0: Yeah. I can imagine, and and that's well, something that you know. I I know that like for for Hamilton, and again, you know, the fact that he's been collecting these types of things all these years. You know, you look at the people that are in academia, and they're going to say, "Well, we have the knowledge. We've been to college, and we've done all this, and I have a degree in these things." But you look at the knowledge that someone like yourself and Hamilton would have. I'm thinking would be greater in some respects. Oh,
4: that's part of the problem. I mean, I've had it for you didn't go to university, you haven't got a degree, no, but I've been doing this my entire life. Exactly. You have yes. a degree, but you have never handled an old item in your entire life. You've never yes, exactly. done You know, this is uh, yes. the that uh, we've had. And it particularly gripes me because, you know, the, I just get looked down on my nose Nose at, you know nothing, you simply have these things. Well, yes, but there is a reason why I have them because I know exactly what I'm doing and I've done it for 40 years. That's why I have the idiots, you know, and it really does wind me up. But, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, until such time as these people decide to kind of talk to us sensibly, you know what, you don't get to look at them. When you do talk sensibly, then you can look
3: simple
1: as that it's easy to see what the two of you have achieved it is so impressive and i do understand what you're saying i have not been to university either i'm self-taught i've been studying the templars since 1995 and that's when the bug captured me as it were and i just can't think of anything else i'd rather be investigating in my life this is what I do—it's part of who I am—and uh, I- I- the education has become so highly structured, uh, going back decades. You know, the the Victorians were hiring tutors. Yes, there were established schools by Henry VIII, but the structure of of higher education has become so hard that if you stray outside of it, you are anathema. And history is taught in modules, forty-five minute module slots, and it's uh, it's outside of time and space. And they don't ever connect the the how did the Templars get here? Well, the 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 Vikings, the Norse, had had specific knowledge, and they they eventually, you know, the the Templars are, are in broad the the descendants of the Vikings, you know the uh, Rollo married into uh, the king of Paris's uh, uh, household and became a duke became royalized and all his knowledge went right into mm-hmm. into the aristocracy of France and not long after you end up with the last great Viking raider conquering England so you know it's all joined together and that's what nobody wants to talk about that domino fact and and as business people as antiquity as an antiquarian, you know Carl and Hamilton know this. You know they know things that a structured university can't put together.
2: I think as well, when you when you actually go to these places, you compress time. So when you first start off looking at the Templars, it seems you can't really get your head around that distance of time between our generation and their generation, but the more you look into it, the more the time compresses, and the closer you get to those people, and they were people, you Mm -hmm. know, with the same same desires and dreams and fears that modern humans have, you know, but they they were very uh, incredible with what they did with the commercial side, you know, they were amazing uh, merchants and bankers, and you know, they, they created the first check, t- tourist checkbook, didn't he really? With uh, you know, you could deposit a, a thousand pieces of silver in a preceptory in England, and you could travel to Jerusalem and cash, cash, cash the note in, mm-hmm. a, a, in incremental parts of any temple place.
1: And that, nice. that's, that's an amazing thing that was done all that long time
2: ago.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's, that yes. is
1: and people trafficking is an issue today, and it was an issue then, and the Templars saw the need for protection uh, on the road of of, of people's uh, world deserts and, and uh, coins. So yes, you could count on being on a Templar ship and not be robbed uh, halfway through yeah. across the Mediterranean and pitched overboard. So, you know, and, and these are problems that that we face today. So, yes, you're right. Paul's right. Yeah, because
2: yeah, if you think about how difficult it must have been for somebody to go on a pilgrim oh, yeah. uh, from England to all the way to Jeru- Jerusalem, if he wants to go that far. You needed you needed some some resource behind you. you I don't think a layperson lay person could afford to go number one. Right. Uh, number two, if you was wealthy enough that you could you could fund that kind of trip, um, without without the intelligence that the Templars provided, it would have been beyond you know so dangerous that it, would, it probably wouldn't would have happened for the majority of people that did go there via the Templars' infrastructure. You know, they had hospitals. They had, mm-hmm. so you, did, you could get food and drink off them. You could get medicine. You could and cash in money. You, you had security with them. You had transport. All the logistic elements that they put together at that, that time was breathtaking in in terms of the scale of it and
0: the, the yeah. audience
2: skills that's what i found yes first.
1: they're there they were absolutely ferocious as well first on the mm-hmm. battlefield last off three to one odds no ransom and the lay brother system that would allow you to join for two years have an incredible experience contribute and then go back to your families yes so it, it was a much broader subject than what is allowed to be discussed academically and you're quite right, Carl, when you, in Hamilton, when you say they were people. So how do we respond to life today? What kind of infrastructures do we need? And how do we communicate with each other as far as the transmission of, of ideas, exchanging, exchanges in culture? And they really did not believe in shooting the messenger. They wanted to learn from anybody uh, so that, that was used against them as well but that was also their the, one of the secrets of their success was being able to take ideas, technology and apply them to themselves so uh, Europe, European mindset was quite closed and if it came, a good idea came from Judaism or Islam then uh, that was an evil thing in itself So, uh, but they, they knew better, they knew practicality when they saw it mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's fabulous. We were talking about, you know, when when the Templars built Short Cathedral. The fact the fact that the the curve, the technology curve was so acute, it was almost supernatural. He said, how is it possible to 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 have gone from, from there to, to there? Mm-hmm. It, it, in such a small period, there's no, it's unprecedented that technology leap. Uh, and they said the only way they could have done it is with some form of supernatural knowledge or, they've, they've, you know, they discovered things that weren't, they weren't available, you know, the, the, the skill sets or the the, right. uh, the maths to put that together and what they achieved after that was fantastic.
1: Yes, it's, it's so exciting and, and awe-inspiring. And mm-hmm. did they discover that under Temple Mount? And then, uh, yeah. you know, work with scholars to uh, release the, the information? Did they absorb uh, engineering and mathematical knowledge from the East? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, then there's that leap of inspiration and brilliance Uh one of my favorite characters is uh, Peter Peregrinus, who wrote the, uh, uh, the about the magnetic properties of the lodestone, and that mm-hmm. paper, in and in terms of navigation, was in use all the way up until the the. Uh, Age of Reason in the early 1700s, so, so he was talking about uh, propulsion methods, and mm. he was the Leonardo da Vinci of his day, and his patron was uh, a king of Sicily, and he was creating machines of war, etc., that of course not as much survives from his time period as we have of Leonardo, but he was the Leonardo of his day. And he's talking about ships that have propulsion that can take you to whatever land you wish to go in. Mm -hmm. And that you know that those leaps of impressive leaps of great intuition from these higher realms that that wish us well and want us to to grow as as uh, in partnership and with people and with technology. So, you know, these, these geniuses that we're blessed with from time to time that uh, can, can help us spring forward. And then there's always that jealousy factor. Mm-hmm. The jealousy factor when you get someone uh, with great gifts. And, uh, of inspiration and skill that can apply them, the people around them feeling threatened by that and wanting to squish them. Uh, but clever is the patron who will will grab that individual and put them in charge of an awe-inspiring project like charts like Cthulhu. Kithri- kithri- yeah,
2: so, I suppose like the last century, we have to look at Tesla, don't we, to, to see Yeah,
1: that. to understand that, to understand yep. yeah, that Yeah, exactly that right. And of course, he he dealt with with the jealousy of Edison and big money and etc. And, so. and there's the theory that
2: that he, his ideas were were stalled because of the Petro, uh, the Petro dollar. You know was was going to be under threat because if energy is as ubiquitous and freely available as he believed it was, then these uh, you, you, you sort of robber barons would be out of a a job and um, you know.
1: Basically people without free energy. The financial infrastructure would completely
2: yep. change. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly right. And that's a shame too, because of the ideas that that man had. Um, and, and 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 then all of his paperwork being, you know, disappearing and everything that he had. And you know, somebody has it and they're just they're gonna put it aside and they're not gonna do anything with it simply because they wanna make that almighty uh, dollar in in you know, produce making Forcing people to pay for electricity that comes to them—it's just things like that. So it's fascinating.
2: Well, I think as well, what happens with with new technology is the powers that be hold it back for them to 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 work out the roadmap of commercial exploitation. Mm-hmm. And if it takes them fifty years to to work out a roadmap of monopoly, that's the time they'll release it, and, mm-hmm. and they won't release the technology until they've completely harnessed the ability. Of turning it into money for them, and to make sure that other people can't have control of that technology until they've ex- exploited and exhausted all of the revenue out of it.
3: Right, exactly.
2: Be today, that there's fantastic technology sitting sitting in in laboratories or in offices, but we're not allowed to have them because they haven't f- figured a way to create Our the monopoly.
0: Job. Yep. Exactly right, and that's a shame. Well, this has been fascinating. You guys have just given us so much information and, a, and an inside look at all this. And and I tell you, uh, you know. You know, we know that you're working on season two. You're finishing that up. We'd love to have you guys come back and at some point and, and talk with us again. And hopefully, we can get Hamilton's connection figured out. So, uh get him yes, a uh, laptop <laughs> or something. Great to see your
1: face, Hamilton.
0: Right, but I would. I did want to ask you this question. Now, season one has been out. How has being uh, famous now, being on TV, and uh, in your five episodes? How has this changed your lives, uh, Carl? If you want to go first, Carl, you can ask and talk about that a little bit. How has this changed your life?
2: It's just classic, wasn't it? We 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 get to do the show, and then COVID comes, and we can't go out. So we haven't we haven't we haven't had any pleasure of fame. Or oh yeah, there you go. That's like true. I, did. Uh, I did get recognised in Costco at the petrol station a few weeks ago, uh, <laughs> but it's not right. it's not really. Um, Something that we've 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 had much exposure to, really. do no? we haven't been out and people coming up asking for autographs, <laughs> anything like that, you know. it's it, it's it's kind of a niche show, you know. It's not mainstream, so um, the kind of people that watch it will see us, but we're, we're not like a big Saturday night show, are we? Where the masses are going to see us. But it'd be nice if if, uh, we got some free stuff out of it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hamilton, how about you? How has this changed your life?
4: I got recognised once in my local supermarket because, I mean, I don't do supermarkets. I'm not a shopper, and I got terribly confused by a one-way system they incorporated for something to do with COVID Mm. that I didn't even know it was a one-way system. (laughs) And I was pushing the trolley the wrong way round because I didn't know where to find potatoes. And a man came over to me and said, oh, can I help you at all? And I said, yes, yeah, I, I just don't understand. But come with me, sir. Here, what do you want are ah, potatoes. Thank you. So he then said, hm, I did enjoy your show on the TV last week, Mr. White. There you go. So, which is kind <laughs> of great. But all that means is he's going to go and tell all his mates and everybody else that, hey, I saw the man off the telly and he didn't even know how to buy a potato. <laughs>
0: what a way to be remembered, right? Or be talked about? The
4: one going to be remembered for by the general public is <laughs> the guy who couldn't buy a photo so, so properly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that really is the extent of that. Or certainly, my fame, anyway.
0: That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh.
4: You know, I had visions of hordes of people waiting every time I arrived somewhere. It would be like the Beatles in the 1960s. Yeah. Was, I don't know, women really wailing because you see of it.
1: like nothing. No, no, no. It like nothing. Yeah.
0: Well, all these women throwing time. themselves at you.
1: Give it time.
0: <laughs> well, that's true. And you, you've got your your hat, your fedora hat that you wear. Um, and I tell you, honestly, if you weren't wearing that hat and I passed you on the street, I probably wouldn't know who you were. But with that hat on, I mean, yeah, it's a,
4: exactly.
0: do, do you wear that all the time? Is that do you? whenever you go out? Do you have that hat on?
4: Yep. Yeah. I wear it when I'm in my, I've got it on my head now. It's just, it's just part of my, I don't know. It's just like I don't change my clothes. I don't do different <laughs> forms of clothing. It just disagrees with me. It stresses me out. So so it's like, you know, my just put them on go out. Yeah, because I, I
2: sat to Hamilton once when I, I met him in Monaco and after about three months I said, I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. And I said, why do you always wear the same clothes? He goes, I don't. He said, I've got 30 of these shirts and 20 of these clothes and they're all exactly the same. <laughs> So,
0: <gasps> go to the closet. What do I wear today? Open up the closet and everything. All the shirts are <laughs> exactly <just laughs> I'm the same. Today,
4: oh no, I it always has been. So I've worn the same design shirt since I left school at sixteen. I don't want to bother us having to sit and scratch my head. Yeah, why do I? Where am I going? What what should I wear to go here?
0: Do these shoes match my shirt? (laughs) No.
4: He has a point.
1: He truly does.
4: There are more important things to think about than whether or not my trousers match my shirt or do I wear a green shirt. I thought I'm not interested.
1: Classic. That's fantastic. You know what you get for
0: Christmas now, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he's easy to buy for right <laughs> oh my goodness this has been wonderful guys i gotta tell you i i am so honored that you came on the show with us today this has been fantastic and i know I, I i did glance over i'm watching the chat going by from from youtube and facebook and and twitch and stuff and everybody uh like like Callie lewis just said you two are so funny and and You're great. uh Yeah, awesome. This has been just a wonderful afternoon. I have enjoyed it thoroughly.
4: If we come back on next time, I mean, we didn't actually get to the topic of starting to discuss the whole theories about Templars coming over to the States and what we're going to hopefully try and tie up with Gretchen and Wayne and, Mm -hmm.
1: you know, we've got lots of ideas and thoughts on that. Well, I just wanted right. to to talk to you two and hear about you and and you know if you'd like to do that it, it would be an honor, a privilege and you two are just brilliant and and if i were the head of the university i'd give you doctorates oh absolutely <laughs> so, I mean, you know uh, you're brilliant and that's just clear to see and i so appreciate what you've done you've just turned everything on its head and we have so much we can talk about now and go forward with, including location and names and dates and objects. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, we yeah, We've done you know, two. Maybe- go ahead, go ahead, Hamilton. Sorry,
4: if we do it again and we can sort the connection out, then I don't know, maybe we can have a couple of objects that weren't on the in the first series that we can have them. I don't know, just do a bit of an exclusive <sighs> of his, uh, his, few <sighs> things that else has seen
1: or something like <sighs> that, this.
0: That would be awesome. i going to get the honored. vapors here, Hamilton. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would be so honored.
1: <laughs> I'm going to have the yeah, vapors. We- <laughs>
0: It would be good for you to
2: see some of the the chalice worshipping panels that we've got.
4: Oh,
0: Oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm so fascinated by that, too. I
4: mean, what I will do, Greg, or both of you, um, if you send me through your email addresses, I mean, I've been trying to put sort of a little... Booklet together with a lot of photos and a bit more information that's supposed to happen and hasn't quite happened. But I can send you through a sort of PDF. I mean, Carl's already got one that's just like my own notes on the story, and there's a photos of sort of about forty of the items in it. Wow! That that that's kind of going to be the first little booklet that will come out. Not not just yet, but I can certainly send it through to the pair of you if you want to have a flick through it. Oh, I would certainly be honoured by that oh would, my gosh would guard yeah. it guard it highly and i mean that means that you can sort of it'll give you more background on the actual story so for next time you, you know it'll throw up questions that perhaps you you know you haven't thought of yet mm-hmm. Thank Thank you.
1: You.
0: yeah i would be i would be honored absolutely
1: Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. And look forward to talking to you about Wisconsin if you have the time and would like to do so.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that was a, that was a whole other subject because, of course, you know, we have, uh, I have had the very uh, honored pleasure of of interviewing uh, Wayne and, and Gretchen and Sean Williamson um the team Templar North America twice. We did a two-parter because I just knew there was going to be so much information to cover that we had to cut it into two parts, which we did. And it was fan- it's out on YouTube if anybody wants to uh, check it out there. It is on YouTube at our and our at our channel at Jfree906. Um so you can check it out there, but I'm uh, knowing that, you know, there's a future there possibly with you all, I, I, I'm just, it's, it's, my little teeny part of that, it just fascinates me to no end that I was able to be, you know, a, a little piece of part of that. It just.
1: Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for giving us a way to connect and talk to so many people and for sean, i haven't even met sean yet uh you know for for all of us to be able to speak together mm-hmm. that was fantastic and uh, having mm-hmm. a chance to ta- actually talk to carl and hamilton that's just mm-hmm. impressive so i'm just so thrilled to have have come across you both and i uh, feel i feel well placed, uh, as if I'm in the right time in the right place because <laughs> of a of a of a blessing <laughs> from yeah. somewhere else.
2: Yeah. Now, I mean, I, I, I want to thank Jeff and both uh, and yourself, Gretchen, for inviting us as well. It's been great. We've enjoyed meeting you. I mean, you've been really warm and. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. good. Good.
1: Thank and you. Linda, thank you, and Jack, uh, if you're listening, thank you as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Jack, up, my regular co-host
0: is out there watching today he stepped aside so yeah. gretchen come, could come in and join us and i tell ya, you uh, you know carl and and hamilton both if you guys if you guys are looking for any researchers this lady right here i'm telling you she has got a head full of knowledge that could help you down oh, the road <laughs> i'll just throw, throw that I'd out that. because
1: cool. uh, i'd be thrilled uh there's always something more to learn but i would be oh yeah thrilled.
0: absolutely
2: you you be made with that booth hamilton sends you because it's got some fantastic things to see
0: oh i can't wait honestly i'm going to be doing that right as soon as we get done i'm going to be <laughs> sending them my
4: email <laughs> whatever the best email is i'll send it through to you tomorrow oh. and then when you've, had, when you've had a chance to go through it well we'll figure something else out and see where we go from there and do a. Do an American chat and a and a Mark II chat on this. You
1: know, we're up for but, but, you know. Oh, just so okay. can't we? Can't we? You guys, you, you
0: guys are wonderful, and I and I know that uh, now that I've gotten a chance to meet you and just realize that you guys are just down to earth people that uh, uh, are on amazing uh, journey and uh, have an amazing job of finding this stuff. It's just you know, like I said earlier, we're kind of living uh, you know through you're uh vicariously through you guys and what you're doing and uh I, I i applaud you and i'm really looking forward to season two coming out uh and seeing what you guys have to share on that too so uh good luck with that guys and uh and and good luck with team templar uh in the future too oh, awesome. thank you. all right hang out just a minute i'm going to wrap things up here and say goodbye it is right at two hours we hit it perfectly um, so I really appreciate it. Hey, all of you that have been watching today, thank you so much for being here. And I know a lot of people will watch us down the road as uh, cause it stays out on YouTube. It stays at Twitch. It stays on Facebook in our group, uh, for as long as we need it to be out there. So feel free to reach out and watch it. And especially YouTube, I think is kind of the easiest place to watch it. If you're not a member of our group. Um, but again, if you don't mind, give us a, give us a, a like on there. If you've liked our content here today, and if you uh, would be so kind to subscribe, that helps us so much down the road. It really does. I've kind of explained that a little bit before, but I don't want to beat people up about that. Just that little subscribe down there, uh, button down at the bottom. If you would be so kind, we appreciate that so much again. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Hamilton and Gretchen. Thank you for being here and bringing your expertise to the table. You guys are awesome. And I can't wait to have you back on the show.
4: Love See you soon.
0: All right. We're going to wrap it up I'm here. You guys over. can hang out just for a minute and I'm going to say goodbye. So we'll have a good night, or have a good day, everybody. And I know it's nighttime for you guys over in the UK. Thank you so much, all, for being here. Bye bye now.